Race matters. 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 like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. Uh, it's their sacred land that we are broadcasting on right now. I pay my respects to Gadigal elders, past, present, and future, and acknowledge their strength, wisdom, and creativity. Stories, song, knowledge, uh, they've all been shared on this land for over 65,000 years. FBI Radio is privileged uh, to do the same today, and it will continue to be a meeting place for a long time after us. I also want to acknowledge the significance of Redfern. This is a birthplace of black theatre in this country and a place of resistance, resilience and refuge. Hey, happy uh, bloody Monday to you. My name is Darren Lasagas. Uh, Race Matters is back after a short time off last week. If this is the first time you've tuned into the show, uh, welcome. Uh, we're on this time every Monday, rotating amongst myself, Sada Khan and Ryan Clapham. And we're a show hosted by people of colour, speaking with people of colour about the ways we understand and value our racial identities. It is a pleasure to be sharing the start of the week with you and a pleasure to soon be welcoming a couple of very special guests. What's the connection between colonisation and gay dating app Grinder? And how do you deal with expectations when you make contemporary art through the lens of the world's oldest living culture? Uh, Liveworks is the Festival of Experimental Arts. It kicks off on the 17th and is on until the 27th of this month. And this afternoon, we're going to be joined by two of the artists. Radjuri performer and dancer Joel Bray uh, explores colonization, sexuality, and desire in a work he's debuting called Daddy. And we'll also be joined by Indigenous director and performer Vicky Van Hoot to talk about her uh, work Plenty Serious Talk Talk. Um, they're both performing as part of Liveworks 2019, and they'll both be on the other side of this track by Slow Tie. Needs a language warning. This is gorgeous, and you're on FBI 94.5. Real, shout out your love for the food drip. Real, know where I live, you know you get, you know you 
get, you know you get chill. Five man deep and we all in cost. Five man deep and we all in, all in. Five man deep and we all in cost. Five man deep and we all in, like five man deep and we all in cost. Five man deep and we all in, all in. Five man deep and we all in. Five man deep and we all in. Used to stash food at Amy's. She'll have a spliff walk Jasper. Lost a dog, drunk on vodka. Responsibility, another chapter. I'll do it, plain face, so obvious. Oblivious to a consequence. Never anonymous, known in my postcode. Pit back in a crossbow. You can get snooked at Q Club, banging on the window. Double dot, now you're losing. Fifth bed deep. I beg you, don't get lauded. Never had a mortgage, buy my house outright. Been the same since Game Boys and stick fights. Stabilized push bikes. For your shinies, jump off the push bike. Tony Jack, my Yu Gi Oh cards. I will allow him as a shook guy. That's Slow Tie and Gorgeous here on FBI Radio 94.5. You're listening to Race Matters. My name is Darren Lasagas. And have you ever thought about how colonization has shaped your sexual desires? And what does it mean to create art from a First Nations lens in a contemporary art world? Uh, we'll hopefully get a bit of insight into these questions from a couple of people who are more than qualified to answer those. Joel Bray is a Wiradjuri dancer, choreographer and performance maker who this month makes his Sydney premiere of a new work called Daddy. And Vicky Van Hoot is an Indigenous independent artist, director and performer who has 20 years of experience under her belt and will perform a new work this month called Plenty Serious Talk Talk. Uh, both artists are in the studio with us today for Race Matters, Joel and Vicky. Thank you for joining us. Hello, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Oh, an absolute pleasure. Uh, Vicky, we'll start with you. Plenty serious talk, talk. Can you give us a few words on the concept uh, of this work? There is a lot of talking. Uh, mm. It's meant as a provocation and it, was, and it was kind of like a retrospective looking at the way I make work, who's taught me and really delving into this idea about permissions to do things and how do you, how do you negotiate permissions when you've embodied something, mm. that was the starting premise. Sure. And how will it unfold physically, orally, as the audience will experience it at LiveWorks? Oh, my God. <laughs> how will it... Un it, it will happen. It, it yeah. will... There will be some... There will be a lot of talk talk and there will be a lot of dance and I'll be buggered when I get off. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually... The dance is really impressive. Okay. Yeah. Pretty virtuosic. Uh, Says you know. Joel. You look unconvinced by that. I Vicky. am unconvinced. <laughs> I saw a video of myself and I was, I was shocked. 
And I said, oh, my God, I didn't even look up once. You've been, so, you've been making art for 20 years and still you're not comfortable looking at yourself on video? I'm not even comfortable going on stage. My <laughs> mantra is, please, God, don't make me look like Frankenstein. Just get on there. Just do it. Just do it. Is you not wanting to be on stage part of the performance? No, it's not part of the... No, it is not part of the performance. That's a, that's a whole other performance before the performance. Uh, I mentioned before that you have 20 years of uh, experience as an independent uh, artist. You work with major Indigenous dance companies, Bangara Dance Theatre uh, and the Aboriginal Islander uh, Dance Theatre. How has your um, understanding of Indigenous performance changed over the years, Vicky? Mm, that's interesting. Uh, look, when I started when I started at uh, the college called NASDA, when I started at NASDA, Indigenous dance was the last thing I wanted to do. I wanted to learn ballet and jazz and tap and contemporary. But there was something in it. There was something in the embodiment and there was something in the vitality, the vitality of the, actually the virtuosity of the male dancers that I wanted to emulate. So I couldn't wait until I finished so that I could make my own work emulating those male dancers. I know that I'm crossing a lot of boundaries there because the women dancers, not that there's, you know, not that they're lesser dancers, but the women move like a wave. So the women move like a hum or like this supporting structure where the men are virtuosic and go off and do their own thing. And I was like, when I was, when I was a student, I was always looking at the men wanting to do what the men do. So I suppose when I was given my own opportunity. When I took my own opportunity, that was the first thing I did. I kind of swapped gender roles and I was like, no, my women are going to be fierce. We're going to be fierce. Yeah, what was it about the male role that appealed to you uh, as a dancer? Uh, it was just, like I said, it was the virtuosity. Mm. It mm. was the, you know, the springing from nothing, the moving in any direction at any time. It was mm. just, I, I, it just really resonated with me. Yeah. Um. Indigenous art and performance, you've touched on this just then, has such a beautifully, I guess, unique position in the art world and the dance world in that it is inextricably connected to cultural uh, significance. Uh, when creating work, new work, um, how do you navigate who you are answerable to? Yes. Well, I'll tell you, when I first started, I'll be frank, when I first started, I was very vague. Mm. So that when I would answer, when I would answer or write, grant applications, I would keep it as open as possible and I was answerable to nobody because I didn't locate anything. I kind of located I the first major work I made because I did a lot of corporate gigs and so when I did a lot of corporate gigs, nobody was out there looking at them. So I kind of had free reign mm. so I could use, I could utilise anything, you know, at will. But then when I made the my first work, Wirid Journey, what was really interesting is that when the there was a like a question, there was an one of the applications came back and they said that I had to go and find my locate my community and this was years ago, this was before they came out with that little, the Ozco guidebook, and they said I had to locate somebody in my community and and for your work get to be permission. validated, yeah. And I said, oh my god, I thought it was a birthright, mm. and so this was so I've kind of navigated my way through that, and I've always I think when I've made a work about something, I've always being Wiradjuri, I've all, what I've you all right. So when, oh my god, this is this is so um, complicated or complex. So when I went to Nasda, you know, we learned predominantly Yungle dances, other dances from you know Turkey Creek, Christmas Creek, but Yungle dances. And so you could easily be confused as a student 
into thinking that traditional dance or community dance was Jungle dance. And so over the years, you know, I've I've you know I've learnt that it is just that they're just guides for me to find out more about my own you know my own area or my own ancestral homelands mm. you know country but it has been i don't know i feel that you know it, it's dense now there's a lot of there's a lot of you know there's a lot of guidebooks there's a lot of people out there now and you know i'm i've got a lot of experience and so i always have a lot of i have a lot of collaborators from a lot of different areas and across a lot of different cultures so it's not just with you know the different kind of aboriginal cultures it's also i I collaborate with Marion Abud. She's Lebanese, a digital media artist. I collaborate with a lot of people. And yeah. so the works are not, are sometimes specific, but not necessarily so. Yeah. And in that way, I guess the, the accessibility, kind of like lines of accessibility change and transform over time as well. The more that you collaborate outside of what is deemed to be um, birthright or indigenous uh, specific collaborations. You know, and also with experience, mm. uh, you know, with experience, I, I use my own kind of moral guide. Mm. So, you know, I, you can feel you can feel when you've crossed a line and you can feel when you've crossed that line a little bit too far. Mm. But, you know, having said that, my role is to cross the line. Yeah. I feel the work that I make is to define the line and to push the boundaries of that line. Because I feel sometimes we can be like, I, and again... I could be, you know, pressing people's buttons, but I I find we can go the other way and things can be, there can be too many gatekeepers. And if there are too many gatekeepers, you aren't making contemporary art. Mm -hmm. You aren't making something that happens now. You're making something that reflects something that's static. All culture is living culture. So, uh, Joel Bray, uh, it can be said that your work also crosses lines or a line in some instances. Uh, you also explore... Uh, explicitly uh, ideas of queerness and sexuality in your work. Where do you see the um, lines of accessibility for your work? Um, well, well let, let me pick up on that conversation, mm -hmm. actually. I'll get to the mm -hmm. sexuality stuff in a moment. <clears throat> Happy to talk about sexuality until the cows <laughs> come home. Um, but there's, there's um, I think, something that maybe a lot of um, people who aren't Indigenous artists don't realise is we... We, we, we toil to make the work like all artists, but there's this extra layer of um, responsibility that's placed on us um, around protocol and permission, eldership, consultation. Um, and the, the, the simple fact of the matter is that colonisation came and, and kind of blew apart all of those um, structures that once would have been... It would have been very clear who the elder I had to go and talk to about this particular dance would have been very clear to everyone. Um, but the reality of, of, of the brutality of, you know, and we're, we're both Wiradjuri, so that, that story of the sweep of the coloniser across the mountains and, and the, the mm -hmm. um, vindictive nature of the absolute attempt to destroy and to pull apart those, um, those traditional connections and networks and oversight structures. So, so... I think Vicky and I, and uh, you know, every black artist I know is is committed to that, but it's a, it's a tricky thing to navigate. Um, it's because like who who are your elders? Mm. Um, and if you're making contemporary art and they're not an artist, is what's their role in that in that relationship? And I think um, you know I you know I don't think we all get it perfect all the time, but I think there's a genuine 
desire and like like you were talking about kind of yeah. trusting your gut instinct what's your moral compass telling you is the is the right thing yeah yeah um, and then uh, back to the actual question. Sorry. Um, so uh, yeah. So I'm interested in um, sexuality. I, I um, pick up on the on the thing that um, Vicky was talking about when I was at Nasda. I remember looking at the women soft, <laughs> softly, softly, demurely picking up their feet and with that kind of swaying of the hips. And I just found it hypnotic and beautiful. And I was one of those boys at the front having to spring virtuosically <laughs> and, thinking, and thinking the opposite. Actually, there's something really beautiful about it. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think one of my... I think there's a lot of um, kind of um, heteronormativity around the black male... There's a certain Adam Goods rugby league or AFL player standing on one leg, holding a spear, masculinity. Um, and I, first of all, I don't think that's that's all there was prior prior to the colonizer coming. Mm. I'm 100% committed, convinced that there was a whole range of sexualities and gender expressions. Um, and and also, I look around at the community I'm in, and I'm you know I'm looking at the incredible you know. Um, First Nations drag artists, for instance, who are doing you know, incredible things that yeah. don't conform to that idea that that you know I have to be a kind of a certain macho black man. Um, so my work really does um, uh, uh, work with that. Um, and in Daddy, I mean, without giving too much away, it's always hard with these interviews, mm. right? I don't want to spoil. You want to give enough, but not too much. Exactly, that people don't need to come anymore. You know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I gave um, absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> But but there's this there's this um, recurring motif in the work where I struggle or I contort myself around um, shaker leg. Shaker leg is this kind of very iconic movement. Um, it's considered very masculine, though. There's actually communities up in the north who that's actually a women's step. Mm. Um, so, yeah. but I I'm I grapple with it um, as a kind of as this iconic masculine black thing that I is really difficult in my body like it's really difficult for me to do those um traditional movements because my body is crafted through ballet and contemporary dance and the european canon so so a lot of the, a lot of the a lot of daddy is around that kind of mm. contorting contorting my mouth around the language that i don't know trying to learn dances that i don't know that's Joel Bray. We've also got Vicky Van Hoot in the studio with us for Race Matters at the moment. They both have works showing at Liveworks uh, this month. You touched on this before, Joel, uh, but for me, I've come to learn that the act of being queer uh, in itself is an act of decolonization, uh, that binaries and gender, sexuality, heteronormativity uh, um, introduce Western, completely Western concepts uh, that a lot of us have been born into. And uh, it's telling to see the binaries reflected even within queer communities and, uh, and queer codes. Uh, you, you experience misogyny, you experience racism, power imbalances within this community, which for young people are told is supposedly uh, accepting and a welcome place for them when they enter it. How do we deconstruct those? Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I think it's happening, actually. Mm. I feel like... Um, I think there's, there's a lot of, I remember, cause I was, a, I, I, I went overseas, um, uh, for 10 years. So I got this kind of like, I remember, um, 
in particular, like for instance, um, uh, the the status of the gay Asian male in the community. I remember before I left, I remember going to to Ark, and it would be absolutely oh, like you know there was one area mm-hmm. which was just for Asians, and that's the only place they were allowed to dance, and it was. It was like they had to stay there, and men and whites could go and yep. like talk. To them. And and now it's not like that. Um, and so there's like I mean there's still room to maneuver. But I think I think we're having the conversations. Um, I think there's a lot more of awareness. There's a lot more awareness around like language, the mm. language that we use with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think there's still some way to go in terms of blackfellas. Um, one of the one of the the provocations in the work that I do in Daddy is um, what if uh, the traditional Aboriginal man was a porn trope? Because like if you get on Pornhub, there's like every possible mm. um, uh, category, anything, niche, you name yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is it? There isn't anything. Damn yeah. it! I haven't lived. <laughs> um, still and then I so for the for the research of it, right? I googled. You know, <laughs> I like porn hubbed. Is that a verb? Um, yeah. I porn hubbed like traditional average, and there was nothing. And so wow. there's a kind of I think there's a certain kind of um, uh, uh, silence or invisibility around um, uh, you know because we have all these ideas about like who's hot and you know, mm. but actually in that conversation, like the 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 queer Aboriginal man is a bit absent still. I think. Uh, Joel and Vicky, we are close to wrapping up the show, but there is a question that we ask each guest before we uh, uh, finish up the show. Uh, we'll start with you, Vicky. Vicky, when did you realise there was power in your race? When did I realise there was power in Oh, my God, I'm always going first. <laughs> uh, I think there was a switch around. I always felt there was power. As soon as I, as soon as I left high school, I was more aware. I think when I was in high school, you know, there was always, you know, there was, there was a stigma. But as soon as I was around other Aboriginal people, I realised, I realised the power, like the power we had when we were together. Yeah. And Joel, how about you? When did you realise there was power in your race? Well, I'll answer the the, the most recent time mm. it occurred to me. Um, it was a week ago. I was sitting in the National Library of Australia, going through some old archival, really old documentation of of Wiradjuri ceremony. And I had to take a moment, and I walked out and I sat down by Lake Burley Griffiths for a moment and just burst into tears at nothing but the sheer beauty and sophistication of of the culture. And I'm so proud to be a part of it. Amazing. Uh, Joel and Vicky, thank you so much uh, for taking the time out of your day to chat about your works. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you for tuning in for The Race Matters. Uh, here is Yothu Yindi to see us out. This is Treaty, and you're an FBI 94.5.
land was never bought and sold. The planting of the Union Jack never changed our law at all. Now two rivers run their course, separated for so long. I'm dreaming of a brighter day when the waters will be. Race matters. 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 Race matters.